Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Hey, Christy and everyone out there. Another awesome book club book to pair with some good food and wine. You got that right. So today we're discussing Unspeakable Things by Jess Lowry. And this book, I've got to say, is really dark, but it just seems so realistic, like so real to me. And um, I'm thinking it as a book club, I, who knows where the discussions will go, but I imagine they might get a little deep, you know, <laughs> don't you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Unspeakable things. Obviously, you can imagine the content mm-hmm. um, is, is pretty heavy, um, but Jess Lowry is such an amazing writer Um, She just draws you right in to this world that she's painting. It's Minnesota in the 1980s. And I will say it is something that I was, um, what what she writes about is something that I was familiar with growing up because it was only a few hours away from us. Wow, that's really, that's really cool. And, and, you know, even though um, it's close to home for you, I I felt like I connected with it as well. So it was, it was a good book. You should, everybody should go get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone, everyone should pick this up for sure. Yes. It's a great book club book. Um, and I can't wait to connect with um, the author herself next week when we have a Corks and Conversation with Jess Lowry. I know. Me too. Um, I even um, saw her before at a conference. I attended one of her workshops and she gives such great writing advice. Um, she she does on her website too. And But even more so, she seems like a really cool person and a nice person to share a glass of wine with. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. I know, I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But um, speaking of wine, why don't you tell everyone what wine we are sharing today? Okay. (laughs) Well, so I chose Ava Grace Rosé. It's Mm. an inexpensive rosé. And I'll tell you the tasting notes first, and then I'll tell you why I chose it. Oh. It, it, you know what? I didn't even realize I liked rosés, but this is pretty good. <laughs> Maybe I'm just thirsty. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, uh, the Ava Grace rosé is bright with a nose of wild roses. Hmm. The palette showcases a fresh, crisp, dry style boasting with flavors of apricot, honeysuckle, and a balanced acidity. Yum. It's supposed to be a medium-bodied mouth full, feel, mouth feel, mouth full, whichever. Um, Take a mouthful with a dry finish. <laughs> yeah, right. So, what do you think? I like I said, I I don't know. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm having it on ice. Is that okay? I always like my white wine on ice because I just like to stay that cool. I feel like so rosé looks good on ice, and I live in Florida, <laughs> yeah, it so it, I mean, the ice just right. melts right away anyway. <laughs> Better um, drink faster, right? I, I, in in South Dakota, I would not need the ice, I will be honest. But <laughs> You can go um, get some snow. Okay, so, <laughs> throw oh, my in. gosh. Okay, so I wanna, I'm really excited to tell you why I chose this wine. Yes, I'm dying to know. So, Okay, so the book is set in the 1980s and I mean from like the first page you just get all these amazing 80s references and I was this exact age in the 1980s I think I must be the same age as the author and so Uh this completely spoke to me so I googled quick you know what was the main wine in the 1980s and when I got the answer I remember I 
I remembered it. It was Sutter Home <laughs> White Zin. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like that was the I mean, wine I don't remember it that much, but I, I guess I probably remember my mom drinking it more and then Yeah. Yeah, it was like the wine. And actually I found a really interesting article that I will link on our um, blog post mm-hmm. about how Sutter Home kind of accidentally created this white Zinfandel. It's a really interesting story. Oh, good. But now people kind of turn their nose up up to white Zin, you know, because it was such mm-hmm. a dated thing, I think. But I found an article, another one, I educated myself here, that says <laughs> basically if you, white, if you like rosé, you like white Zinfandel, that they're pretty much the same concept. And I thought that was so interesting. So that's why I chose a... Another cheap wine, like the Sutter Home, was very, um, you know, inexpensive, and Ava Grace certainly was inexpensive too. Right. Um, but the it was interesting because this the person who wrote this article said, if you say you don't like white Zinfandel but like rosé, that's like saying um, that you like baguettes but not bread. Like that's how close <laughs> in relationship they are. And I thought that was so funny. Yeah. Um, that it's such a dated wine. But anyway, so that's the. Um, but I thought it'd be a fun thing to serve at a book club just to stir all that conversation about the setting and the background of the book. Right. I actually got a can. Oh, you did? Yes. Isn't that fun? It's a half bottle size. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is perfect because I'm, you know, trying to be good in January. I don't need a whole bottle. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That was perfect. Okay. So if I was serving this at a book club, I would also serve, inspired mm-hmm. by the book, and a very 1980s recipe is a seven-layer salad. Do you remember oh, that yeah. there's a big oh, yeah. picnic scene? Yeah. And there's a huge buffet, and this main she character just, just goes chowed on nuts. <laughs> chowed on the seven-layer salad, which they are very good, I have to say. I don't think I but liked I, them when I was that age, though. <laughs> no, she was an eater, I, I, this uh, yeah. young girl. But I, but I haven't had one for a while, but I thought, oh, that sounds kind of refreshing and fun for a, yeah. a book club. and you know. Oh, yeah, I have the perfect very, like, bowl for that, too. I bet yeah, you like do a too. trifle bowl or whatever. <laughs> I do. But it is fun to see it. You know, yeah. it's fun to see what you're, all the things you're eating. So Yeah, what do you put in yours? You know, the usual suspects. Bacon, of course, obviously. Okay, bacon, um, that's good. Yeah, bacon, cheese. It's going to have to have some eggs. It's going to have to have some tomatoes, peas, lettuce for sure. I, I I haven't really made it. I just remember it, you know. I mean, I think I f- remember seeing like, you know, beans in some of them and things like that. That's why I didn't know if it yeah. was like, like maybe I f- some of them have a Mexican theme. So they might be like, you know. Yeah, I think you can do a lot. But I did find an updated version um, mm-hmm. on a really cool... Um, food blog called Real House Moms, and um, it looked great. And I actually printed it out and tucked it away because I thought oh, I think that'd be kind of fun to make. Yeah. Good. Well, that's I'll a great share idea. It. I'll share it. Thank yeah. you. Okay, so now that we have our food and wine, let's talk about Unspeakable Things by Jess Lowry. So I I think I'll start out, I'll just tell you a little bit about Jess Lowry. Um, She is a best-selling Agatha, Anthony, and Lefty Award-nominated author of crime fiction, magical realism, young adult, and nonfiction. So she's kind of 
all across the board there. And she's um, a tenured professor of creative writing and sociology. She has a blog in Psychology Today. She's won the Lofts Excellence in Teaching Fellowship. So she's a good teacher, which I can attest to. And then she also... Minneapolis has this really cool um, writing facility called the loft and that's oh, what it is and it's that's just what it really is i wondered neat, i was yeah. like i should look this up because it sounds good awesome it's a really neat place yeah and um and she also speaks about what inspired her first published novel in her popular tedx talk so she has a tedx yeah. talk as well and you can see that through her website or probably wherever they have tedx talks it's a it's a very moving yes um, and and educational. I mean, I learned a lot actually about um, how she can suggest people get writing. I just thought it was great. Yes, I did. I did too. I thought it was it was it was inspiring, and um, mm-hmm. she's you know she's a strong woman. So can't yes, wait to is. talk to her. So I am excited too. Yeah. So anyway, this book it's told from the point of view for the most part of this 12 year old girl named Cassie, but basically from her point of view and she's living in this town, like you said, up in um, Minnesota, where back in the eighties, there was all these kids were going, like boys were going missing and some of them were coming back different. And so there was, there was just question on what was going on and, you know, the boogeyman, Uh that kind of thing. And so that Uh was kind of going on. And, um, and so we had a glimpse inside her life and she's trying to figure out what's going on too. So she's like a, a little bit of a sleuth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so it was a really, it was a really good book. It was, they, you know, it's kind of like, um, what'd they say? Part suspense, part coming of age. Yeah. And I really liked it. I thought it was really the description, especially, you know, I just felt like it was something that I hadn't really thought about, like from that point of view as much or as clearly. And um, but anyway, and I also thought the descriptions at Minnesota were pretty real. <laughs> and I, I know that you live up there in that area or mm-hmm. whatever and around that time. And you've yeah. already said that it seems it you know it seems pretty accurate but what do you think i mean did it bring flashbacks or oh, <laughs> oh she totally totally captured the that time period and and the area for sure mm-hmm. i mean i was actually born in in minnesota and i have spent a lot of time there and i'm a huge fan of that state even though i don't live there right now but mm-hmm. it is um it is a very Good description of a small community in the 1980s. I mean, I I don't know how to separate it from other areas in the country because that's just what I grew up with. But, um, man, the 1980s references, though, throughout were just so good. I I know. I I started highlighting them, actually. I thought it was so fun. I did recognize most of those. I did, you know, because it was my time frame as well. And and so (laughs) I did. I mean, and it kind of reminded me because I was in South Florida, so that atmosphere yeah was completely different um but we did move up to a smaller town in North Carolina so I kind of must have referenced that a little bit with the woods type atmosphere um yeah and you know the farm kind of living and that was interesting because I I always lived in town you know and so but Mm -hmm. I remember my friends who lived out of town 
you know, it was very hard for them to get in and hang out with the rest of us who were a biking mm-hmm. all day and going to the pool and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, people just weren't quite as mobile. And But I do remember, you know, my days in, at, at that time were just get on your bike and go. Like, go to the library, we bike, you know, just bike all over town. And, um, you know, like she, that's kind of her main means of transportation if her parents weren't obviously giving her a ride. And I cannot imagine having that kind of fear that her she and her friends were feeling, you know. Right. Because I always had this kind of just, I lived in a small town, very free feeling. Like, we didn't worry about safety. We really didn't, ever. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, that's, that is interesting because I, I, probably, I probably felt the same way. I, don't, I didn't really think, I mean, I remember because we, when we moved to a small town, we lived far out. I mean, we weren't on a farm, you know, it was just um, everybody kind of was spread out in the mountains. And um, I remember walking down the road going, I wish somebody would drive by and pick me up and give me a ride the rest of the way home. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would be just yeah. like, okay. <laughs> right. That'd be fine, right? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I know. And now I think back, you know, I, when my children were... Um, and, and are teenagers, I I can know where they're at whenever I want to because I can send them a text or I can oh, you know, track true, their yeah. phone if I wanted to. Yeah. And my parents didn't know where I was for the vast majority <laughs> of the day because <laughs> I was just my friends on our bike and we'd be, I mean, it was pretty boring. It was at the park, at the pool, or the library. You know, I wasn't I doing um, too much different than that. But it's really interesting. It was a lot less of a stressful life. Technology has yes. made that a big difference because... Honestly, there it's not probably too much scarier. I mean, maybe in some places it is, but it's just we don't know about it. Like, I didn't know about this going on in Minnesota in this small town, yeah. you know. They were all mm-hmm. scared, but I wasn't, and, you know, I was just going on because there were, what, three channels or <laughs> maybe yeah. more than that, but not many. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, the the uh, in the foreword to the book, she she talks about how it's kind of been recently in the news. This little pocket of crime, I guess. There was a a boy abducted very famously in the 1980s from a small town in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and his abduction was just recently solved, and yeah. it has a connection to the town in which she grew up. And so that yeah. is really a very um, painful but um, interesting right. piece to this. Right. And, um, and I'm, I'm not ugh. sure if you kn- knew this or not, but w- when you get to the end of the book, um, you know, it, it ends and then you're like, and then the, you wonder or you might have wondered back because in the in the prologue that it was Cassie as an adult. Yeah. And so when it ends, she's still young. So you kind of don't, it doesn't come all the way back, you know. And so I think, um, you know, some people were like, wait, what happened? And why isn't, you know, we want to know. And she had originally written uh, an epilogue, but then decided not to put it in this published copy because she was like, well, I kind of felt like everybody might want to imagine their own ending. And so... Because some people were like, oh, we want to know. She actually has the epilogue (laughs) on her website. So you can read it. But don't read it until after you've read the whole book. No. 
No, and, no, no. But yes. it is good. Yeah. Yes. And I, I do think it was good. And as she said in future issues, she'll probably put it back in because um, she didn't realize yeah. that people would want it. But yeah, we did. So um, I, I it was, was very satisfying. Yes. Yeah, I was too. I will say this, that I think you and I maybe have talked about a while ago about the use of prologues and epilogues. And uh-huh. I will tell you, I now know the correct use of a prologue and epilogue. Like if I ever wondered before, this is how you do it. I mean, I just yeah. thought, oh, she just nailed it. Yeah. Yes. Writer's, Writer's Perspective. Perspective. Since this book is written for adults, um, but it's from a 12-year-old's perspective, you know, the, the narrator is 12 years old, we mm-hmm. thought it would be interesting to talk about the difference between young adult and, a, and adult fiction, because yes. um, Christy writes young adult, and yes. we've had this conversation a little bit before, so let's yes. get into it. Yeah, and I mean, it is something that I struggled with when I was first starting out um, writing Gator Moon. I didn't even know, really, that there were distinct categories that much you know mm-hmm. I mean I knew there were books that my daughter would read versus you know but I didn't know that it was so particular or whatever <laughs> um, yeah. I was a novice so yes. um, it wasn't until I went to this workshop um, by Janice Hardy and she has a great website it's called Fiction University and she mm-hmm. d- so she's she's a great teacher and she had great information about writing as a for a young adult and I really had sort of an aha moment I'm not kidding you like I walked out of there and I'm like like during the whole workshop I'm like oh my gosh that's what I do oh my gosh that's what I'm doing that's you know one of those things when I you know when she said this is what you need to do if you're writing for young adult so when you heard her present that's when you decided that it was going to be the young adult genre yeah because I had written a wow. lot of it, uh, not a lot of it. I'd written, you know, the beginning part, maybe the beginning quarter of the book already. And um, and I just wasn't sure because she's 17, you know, it's big issues. I mean, there's murder, but it was from her perspective. And I just, you know, I could have gone different ways, but I've I was the way I had been writing it was geared to so that if a teen read that book they would relate to her versus Mm -hmm. an adult looking back saying oh yeah I kind of remember feeling like that you know or something like that and the main story was about adults this the main story is about her and then what she has to do to get where she wants to go so I don't Mm -hmm. know so that's that's you know so that's where I kind of felt like it and I feel like unspeakable things also is from Cassie's perspective for sure you know we see her but the main focus is more the adult things because yeah you know we we know that she's got this crush on this boy but it doesn't go a lot into it it just goes into it indirectly related to what's going to happen to that boy or something you know yeah whereas in in a young adult they kind of dwell on you know themselves a lot more (laughs) Right, right. Well, I think, too, the way she um, attached the prologue Mm -hmm. from the adult Cassie, Mm -hmm. that kind of made it clear to me that it was, you know, more oriented towards adult readers. 
Um, but I had I had looked up too because you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I was googling about how how to differentiate and. Um, and I did find an I found an, an article too about it, and and one of the differentiations that this author pointed out was the themes, uh-huh. like you had talked about. But I think there's like you said you have you have murder in Gator Moon, but I think there's young adult um, theme of murder, and then there's adult. You know, like, like right. as you get older, right? You understand the nuances, and I think um, right. that probably is because uh, there are many many books with a young narrator that are wonderful and famous I, I i found a list of them and i was like oh i forgot how many there were i mean so like the lovely bones by alice siebold you know that right. that like yeah secret and so life I, of bees I, did you ever yeah. read that oh my god that was such a good book <laughs> yeah i mean there's so many and i um was surprised actually and to see stephen that list. king and, like the institute right we just did you know right it was yeah. a lot of it was from a child. But you know what? A lot I've noticed in those, too, is they might have a, a child's perspective, but they sometimes have more than one and have an adult perspective. I mean, you have to know what you're gearing towards when you're doing it, because yeah. there is definitely more emphasis. Uh, and you know, if your audience is going to be a teenage girl, even if or boy, even if they, um, you know, adults like the books. I mean, I read young adult books, too. I mean, shoot, sure. I even read Harry. I loved Harry Potter, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And okay, you're going to love this. Middle grade. <laughs> so I I think, obviously, this is not a cut and dry thing for everyone because I found there's kind of a new category now between the two. Uh-huh. And they're actually calling it new adult. Yes. And I do it know is about that. that. This I did not know about this, and it's like that sliver it's, of time. It's not really taken off too well. Uh, well, they, I mean, I, they, it's they, so they put it in hard. there, but like in the, but you know, it's yeah. all, all those categories are just for the bookstore, basically. So they yeah. know where to market yeah. them, and you know, and it's kind of a fuzzy area that a lot of writers don't want to be in. Like you know, when I've talked to, because it's basically either young adult with just sex you know (laughs) like more you know like Mm -hmm. going Mm because young adult you do this you know you can have murder you can have sex but you just don't go into it you know like detailed because you know that young people are going to be reading this for sure um because younger than young adult read it and so the new adult i just think it's adult that's what i think i think it's adult with like a 20-year-old protagonist, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's just the nuances of both, it said, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, that's exactly – they're like they're trying to um, avoid this um, – trying to avoid which category you're going to be in, I think. Right. <laughs> and thought, it's just too hard to figure out. We want to be both. And, and I know. Um, I, I, I don't think the yeah. agents, most of them don't like that either, you know. They're like, okay, we're going to market one or the other. Sure. It can yeah. be – it can cross both paths, but we got to get – you know, right. if we want to get it published, we're going to have to give a clear idea of where yeah. this is going to be marketed. Because there is well, no, like you said, people you know. already read both. I mean, yes, my kids have read what are considered adult books, and yep. I've read what's considered young adult, and yep. without and any I enjoy issue both, at all. Happen- yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, Kathy, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're recording this just a tad early. Um, yeah. So we, I don't think we should really have to. Make ourselves accountable today. Is that all right with you? (laughs) 
Yes, I'm not a big fan of the accountability conversation, so yes. I won't torture you So what do you, you want to talk today? about? Well, I was wondering, because, you know, I'm a single gal over here. I don't have the love of my life in the next room, so I'm wondering what you like to do for Valentine's Day now that you've been married for a while. If you have any traditions <laughs> or what, what do you yes, think? We do. We do. We've been married oh. for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 26. Wow. 20, yeah, 26 years. Amazing. And a half. Congratulations. I know. Oh, thank you. Um, so we feel like we're kind of, you know, pros at this by this point. They got married when they were 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty young. <laughs> I will tell you what we do. We don't celebrate it. <laughs> we just uh, I knew of, you were going to say, we I don't know why of, I knew that, but I knew really? it. Really? We just kind of laugh. We're like, that's for like amateurs. And and and, and um, I, I will be honest with you. I don't love forced holidays. I, I really don't love the holidays where mm-hmm. um, all this pressure is on people to do the thing to make this person feel good. And it's just like Mother's right. Day. Right. Well, you know, that's so funny because I have another friend who, you know, married her high school sweetheart. She's been married forever. Mm -hmm. And um, and she is the exact same way. She's like, I don't like Valentine's Day. It's a forced holiday, you know, and I was like, well, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's if you you take that attitude, I think that's great because, yeah, you can still enjoy it. You can still have fun with it, even if you don't, you know have we just don't right i mean but you you know if you ever wanted to that's what i'm saying it's no it's a no pressure thing and it shouldn't and that's why it shouldn't really be a pressure thing for any age it's supposed to be just like fun you know it starts out as fun in school but then all of a sudden it gets into being well i think it's still fun like attitude wise until you get some crazy person that's like i gotta have a date (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's so silly but no but we it's like a good excuse to go out a different night of the week except for this year it's on a friday i know so that's that's gonna gonna be very good for business yeah that's very good for business i will tell you this my sister Mm -hmm. um, works part-time in a floral shop Uh and valentine's day is such a huge amount of work for people that work in florist shops. Yep. I mean, and I, her stories are absolutely hilarious. People coming in like frantic, you know, like yep. at 530 always. Like I need, you know, three dozen roses. And she's like, yeah, good luck. You know, but here's a plant. I've got a plant left, you know, like they completely sell their their floral shop out. And um, it's really funny to hear yeah. this story. So we, um, our, our, our routine is to um, kind of giggle about it and do whatever we do. And we're pretty, right. well, pretty content. Well, I don't even otherwise. do the giggling, <laughs> but. <laughs> I was going to say, what are you going to do? I Well, I Googled, I was like single stuff because I did hear, I did, and I can't remember where it was, if it was like in a different town. I don't know if it was like, you know, a national show that I was watching mm-hmm. where they were um, interviewing a chef who does a singles menu for Valentine's Day. So has a special menu just for singles. Now, that would be fun. 
Yeah. And she started doing that a long time ago and it, you know, and it's a fun thing. So I was like, I wonder what's going on around here. So I'm like, you know, Valentine's Day activities for singles in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. <laughs> and th- well, you must have came tons up. of options. Well, I don't know. There was, <laughs> you know, of course there's like Valentine's speed dating, but those are oh my gosh. all geared to like 20, you know, 20, 30 year olds. Too young, you know? So I, but I found another one. It, it's called Lock and Key Events. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. It's a fun, new, interactive dating event for singles. So they have it like on the 13th or something. They like handcuff you to each other No. When you come in, the men get... I know, right? Well, I'll never tell. No, they... they, When you you get there, the men have keys and the women have locks. And so <laughs> that's pretty phallic, isn't it? Right. Probably oh <laughs> better take that out. Yeah. No. It, you know, we're not. We're not taking that. Do not take that out. So anyway, right. um, but <laughs> every key matches two to three locks. See, so you go around and you try the locks, and that's how you, um, you know, talk to people. And then if you so find a good, it's your a match, great conversation starter, right? Yeah. That's basically what it I is, love and it. it was for yeah. it was for an age range from like, um, well, I don't know, it went like, uh, t- I think it was like twenty five to fifty five or something. So I was like, okay, that's a good range because you know mm-hmm. I don't want to just yeah have to meet like twenty year old guys or something. So. Not that I would I mind, know. but that would be a little. I was gonna say, that's not the worst thing, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you do that because I want you to report back because I'm very curious. Oh, about you this. know what? I should try it. I should. If you I should. Get a, if I, I need you to do my some... single friends to go with me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you need, you need to do some investigative reporting. I I want to hear back yeah. about this because that's actually a really cool idea. I think. Yeah. Uh, just a really fun thing to hear about. So okay, yeah. we're gonna okay. task you to do that now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so another great book and a really fun episode i really suggest people go out and get unspeakable things by jess lowry yes and don't forget to listen next week because we will talk with jess lowry for our corks and conversation episode can't wait thanks for mysterious foodies out there for listening and sharing check out our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, where you can find links to all we talk about. And if you subscribe to our weekly newsletter, you can get those links sent directly to you, along with any exciting updates. We are also on Facebook and Twitter under at GOB Writers. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as we did, we would love to hear from you. And please subscribe to Game of Books wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our book club ideas, and corks and conversations with award-winning and best-selling authors. That's all for today's episode of Game of Books Podcast, where we share food, wine, and mystery every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. This is Christy and Kathy saying thanks for listening. Bye, Bye, everybody. everybody.